0: It's great to see you today in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles or something with your Bible on it, turn to Psalm 32 and uh, open up the Version Bible app and follow along with the points and the scriptures as we go today. Psalm 32, YouVersion Bible app. Before we jump in this morning, just a couple of quick things. Uh, I want to ask you to, uh, to pray for me this week. I'm doing something that I've done. This will be the sixth year that I've done this, taking a fall sabbatical and uh, getting away, and this is not a, I will rest, but it's more of a working sabbatical. You've heard me mention it through the years that uh, I always go away in the fall and pray and plan and prepare for the next year and seek to hear from the Lord for you and what the vision of our church is for next year and what God wants to say to us and I'll be doing that this week, and so uh, I ask you just to, when you think about your pastor this week in your church, say a prayer for me this week. Uh, I also want to mention that next Sunday we're going to have water baptism, and uh, we already have, I think, about six to eight people that have signed up for that. We're going to do that in the 11 o'clock service because we want that to be able to be live streamed, and so uh, if that's you, uh, make sure you see a staff pastor uh, to uh, get on the list. Well, today we're beginning a new message series called Divine Direction, and a lot of what I'm going to share in this series is really good material that I stole from somebody else. So I want to let you know that I'm preaching somebody else's material. From time to time, that happens, and uh, and I'm preaching a lot of things from a series and a book from Craig Rochelle called Divine Direction. And uh, I would recommend, as we get into this, if you want more of what we're talking about, get that book on Amazon. But I have one verse for you this morning, and this is really our theme verse for this series. We'll hear it a lot. It's Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Everybody just smile at me because that's a a great promise. Amen. Will you read that with me this morning? The Lord says... I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Lord, as we turn our attention to this new series today, I pray that this message will bring encouragement and help and hope to people who are seeking direction for their lives. So many of us, Lord, are trying to find what the next step is in a variety of areas, and I pray that something that we share today and throughout this series would provide insight that's going to help us to be able to know what those next steps are. Today, we ask for divine direction. We don't want to lean on our own understanding, but we look to you today, and we thank you for the promise of your word that says you will advise us and watch over us, so we ask you to do that as we unpack this message today. And we thank you for what you're going to say and do in Jesus' name. So last weekend, Tressa and I had the opportunity to take a weekend off, a much-needed weekend off, and I just want to say thank you to everybody who kept things going, especially uh, Evan, who led worship, and Pastor Josh, who spoke last week. They did an outstanding job, and uh, as they were leading worship last Sunday, Tressa and I were heading out. We were in Blue Ridge, Georgia, in the mountains, and uh, we got to experience something that I, I rarely get to experience, and that is the fulfillment of the old Commodore song featuring Lionel Richie that says you know I'm easy easy like Sunday morning I don't know what that means y'all and those of you who bring small children to church you don't know what easy like Sunday morning means and if you serve on a on a team here you know Sunday mornings aren't easy they're they're work and they're busy and there's a lot going on but last Sunday morning I just felt an easiness and I looked at Tressa as we were driving around the mountains I said I am so relaxed right now this is exactly what I needed and our goal for that morning was we had been in Blue Ridge for a couple days we were looking for a scenic overlook we had been in the Blue Ridge mountains the week the, the, the year before and you know if you've ever been on the Blue Ridge Parkway you don't have to find a scenic overlook a scenic overlook will find you you know what I mean? They're they're very they're, they're all over the place. But in Blue Ridge, we just weren't finding them. And so, Saturday night, I started googling and I said, like, I'm going to find a, a scenic overlook because I just I just need to go look as far as I can see and see mountains. It just it just blesses my soul. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And so we I found one called Blood Mountain. I was like, okay. Blood mountain, mountain Scenic Overlook, and I put it in, and here we go Sunday morning, about the time that you guys were worshiping. We're looking for, for Blood Mountain, and we've got it in the GPS, and we're climbing up Blood Mountain. We're getting higher and higher. Trust us checking the elevations. Like, oh, here we go. I mean, we're up to about 3,400 feet, much higher than here, right? And we're climbing, and then we get to the top, and, uh, and this is what we saw. Actually, I'm just kidding. We didn't see that. That's from Google. That's what I wanted to see was this. I I wanted to see that, but we kept climbing and climbing, and then we got to the top, and we didn't find the scenic overlook, and we're starting to come down the mountain, and it's still telling us to keep going, and you know how it is. I I guess some of you are this way. I'm in it this far. I've got to see where this is going to take me, you know, and and it says one mile, but it's going to take you two hours to get there. You know what I mean? So one mile to go, two miles to go, 15 minutes. We keep going. We get on this side road that's a dirt road that gets narrow and narrow. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe we're getting there. And Blood Mountain now becomes Slaughter Creek Road. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you can't make this up. I'm like, are we going to be the next True Come documentary? Pastor and his wife looking for Overlook, find themselves on Blood Mountain, lost it, Slaughter Creek. Creek Canyon, and we keep going, and we finally get to where it tells us to go. And this is what we saw. (laughs) And I got out and I said, I got to take a picture of that. There's my opening illustration for next Sunday because I'll tell y'all, we needed some divine direction. We needed some divine direction. We never did find that overlook, uh, but. I don't know about you, but there are times in life when we all need some divine direction. And one of the most common questions that I've heard and that pastors hear is, what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? What and do? What is God's will for my life? What and do becomes the focus? And we ask that question because we all understand a very basic principle, and that is this, decisions matter. Would you agree with that? Have you learned in life that decisions matter? I mean, we saw this, and this is our main thought of the series. The decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Decisions matter. Say that, 9 o'clock. Decisions matter. See, who you are today is a result of the decisions you've made in the past. Who you'll be tomorrow and the future is in large part a result of the decisions you'll make Today. But how many of you would agree that sometimes we're not very good decision makers? Anybody? Anybody just nod at me and say, we're not very good decision makers at times. How many of you have ever made a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion? Anybody? Yep. Anybody have any regrets? Uh, Some things that you wish you wouldn't have done, some decisions you wouldn't have have made. Just, I won't make you nod your head. You can just kind of give me a little Presbyterian nod this morning. Anybody ever regretted dating somebody, regretted marrying somebody, just be real easy on that one, (laughs) confession is good for the soul brother, anybody ever regretted a big purchase, and by the way that's not the person he's sitting beside I don't think, Um, anybody ever regretted a big purchase, anybody ever regretted taking a job or a move, anybody regretted something you ate. I shouldn't have eaten all of that. And you're up in the middle of the night. Uh, anybody regretted something that followed this? Hey, hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah, y'all are South Georgia people. You've experienced that. You know what I'm talking about. Well, many of us are here today and and we have significant decisions to make. I mean, if you're a young adult and you're looking at the end of, of high school college you're trying to decide what you're going to do with your life maybe you're dating somebody and you're trying to figure out is this the right person or do i need to try somebody else maybe uh you're looking at a new job offer or changing a situation and you know it's risky but is it the right thing um perhaps you're in a situation like we are where for six months now for two years you've been trying to make that car keep lasting and if it'll just last another 6 months cuz you don't want to buy a car in this economy and and some of you you're down the road a peace in life and you're trying to decide do I com- decide do I completely retire or do I hang it up and then some of you are facing big decisions with your parents like do we move our parents in with us or do we put them in assisted living we want them to receive the best care possible and it really doesn't matter where we are in life we all face big decisions And we all need some divine direction. We all face challenges when we're trying to make those decisions. But studies are showing that there are two groups of people that are here today that are facing more challenges than previous generations when it comes to making decisions. And those are millennials and Gen Z. And if you don't know where you fall in, you can look at this. And uh, baby boomers are between 44 and 64. Gen X, born between 65 and 79. Millennials, We got a lot of the millennials that are part of our church family, born between 80 and 94. Whoop, whoop, millennials, I hear you. And then uh, Gen Z, born between 95 and 2015. And this is the area over here where studies are showing that the millennials and Gen Z are having a more difficult time making decisions than Gen X and baby boomers. Now, I I will say as a Gen Xer that, yeah, we had a tough time making decisions, and I know the baby boomers did too, but why are they having such a, hard time making decisions. Well, studies show, it's pretty simple, actually, they have so many more options than we did. Okay, now think about this. Whenever many of us on this side graduated from high school, two options. if You can afford it, college or vocational school, or you go to work, right? Now, these kids can, in high school, start going to college. And then when they get out, they can go in person, or they can go online, or they can go study abroad, or they can take a year off. Or they can go work or they can go try to be a YouTube sensation. You know, they have so many different options when it comes down to it. And really it comes down to this statement right here, this this equation. Different options equal difficult decisions. What do you think about that? You think that's true? Different options equal difficult decisions. Okay, this this is a very simple way to look at it. But maybe this has happened to you and your spouse like you, every five, six weeks, Tress and I will find ourselves on a Friday night where we don't have anything to do, and it's wonderful. And it's like, this is pizza and a movie night. So we go get pizza, and we're just going to sit on the couch and eat pizza and watch movies, okay? Very, very good. I mean, just chilling out, relaxing. And has this ever happened to y'all? You're like halfway through eating all the pizza, and you still can't pick a movie. <laughs> you're laughing because you know it's true. Why? Because we have so many options to choose from. And because I'm like, I I like Jesus, I can't watch any of this. You know, <laughs> y'all know what I mean, right? I'm trying to find something decent to watch. Different options equal difficult decisions. And as a result of all that, we're afraid of making an imperfect decision. And a lot of times we don't make any decision because we're afraid we're going to make an imperfect decision. And sometimes making an imperfect decision is worse than making no decision at all. We need some divine Direction. Now, this series is going to feel a little bit different than where we've been the last few months. We've been been diving pretty deep, and uh, we spent five weeks in the Holy Spirit back at the end of the spring, early summer. We spent five weeks on hot topics. We just finished seven weeks in a character study of the life of David. So the next three weeks, we're going to dig into a short series on divine direction, and we're just going to try to get really practical. I want you to leave with some tools that help you to know how you can find divine direction from God. And we're going to begin today with a real simple question, and that is this. What does God care about? On our radars, we're caring about who we date, should we marry that person, where do we go to school, What's the next step with our career? All the things we've talked about today, but what does God care about? And there's two things we're going to look at today, what God cares about. Number one, God cares about who before do. God is more concerned about who you are becoming than what you're going to do. God cares more about who than do. A commonly asked question, as we've said, is what is God's will for my life? And a lot of times we just want somebody to walk up to us, especially for a young adult, and say it's God's will that you're an accountant. It's God's will that you open your own business. It's God's will that you work in construction. It's God's will that you go to college. But we rarely get answers that clear, right? So What does God's word say? Well, Paul gives us some very specific instructions in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And he says, God's will is for you to be what, church? God's will is for you to be holy. Now, I know some of you are reaching for the remote and you're like, this is not what I wanted. I'll, I want you to tell me what I'm supposed to do so before I leave I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Well, hold up for a second because God cares more about who than do. God's more cons- concerned about who you're becoming than what you're going to do. It's God's will, the scripture said, for us to be Holy. Now, depending upon the translation you're reading, that word holy may be switched up with the word sanctified. And when you look at those two words in the Greek, they are both this word hagiosmos, and in the Greek, that word means consecration, purification. It's talking about, it's God's will for you to be sanctified in your heart and your life, for you to be set apart, for you to be different. That's something we really need to understand when we're coming to this idea of what. It is that God wants for my life. The first thing we need to know is God cares more about who before do and that God wants us to be different. He wants us to be set apart from the rest of the world. Can I get an amen? See, if you're a Christ follower, you're not to look like the world. If you're a Christ follower, you're not to live for what the rest of this temporary world is living for. If you're a Christ follower, you're not to be conformed to the image of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? You look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was more concerned about the do than the who. He doesn't talk a lot about specific occupations. Jesus is more concerned with character than career. Look at that. Now, often if he does talk about career, he's telling someone, leave that to follow me, right? So he, he mentions it from time to time. He mentions careers and his parables. But what Jesus is more concerned about is who we are following than what we are doing. And the question people most often ask is this, what does God want me to do? The better question is, who does God want me to become? Okay, let's let that sit a minute, okay? Let the coffee start getting to your brain. Because this is, this is really good to, to walk away with. Because we want to lean into the first part. What does God want me to do? I want, Lord, tell me exactly. But before God gives us that, and he will, the better question is, who does God want me to become? So, so let, me, let me give you an example of what I mean. And, and be kind as I ask you this question. Do you think it's God's will that I'm a pastor? Okay, thank you for a few yeses. I'm glad I didn't get any no's. If you're thinking no, you're probably thinking, I'll go find another church next Sunday. And there's some great ones around, so that that's cool. We want you to stay. But, okay, I would tell you that, that's not God's primary will for my life, that I'm a pastor. God's primary will for my life is that I'm holy. God's less concerned about what I do than who I am. What I do for him than, than the way I follow him. And, and I've got to tell you who needs to know that. Les needs to know that. Because Les needs to know that my identity isn't all about being a pastor. It's about who I am in Jesus. Guys, there's so many times, I'll just be honest with you this morning, I won't even ask you, Can I'll be honest today. I'll just be honest with you, there's times where the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder and says, sometimes, it's like the Lord says, just stop and remember who you were before you were in ministry and how your mindset was and the way you, you loved me and what caused you to follow me in the first place. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, that's a whole lot more simple. And that kind of brings me back, in the first place of what I need to be focusing about because I'll just tell you guys as a pastor and as a leader many times it's so easy for me I'm going to get confessing now Sean it's so easy for me to get so focused on the next thing I'm going to say on Sunday and miss the who and get so focused on the do so as you pray for me this week pray for me that I'll do a better job of that because that's what God's looking for for us all of us you know if if I preach a great message but I'm abusive to my wife I'm not in God's will if I can lead a an energetic service but I neglect my children I'm not in God's will if I talk about the fruit of the spirit and how to treat other people and I'm a jerk to my staff I'm not in God's will If I'm a charismatic leader and can put things in place, but I'm not taking care of my own finances, I'm not in God's will. Why? Because to God, who matters more than do? God would rather me be anything else than a pastor if I can't do that with integrity. And it's not about me, it's for all of us. God would rather us be focused on the who than the do. So how does that apply to us? Well, if you're looking and trying to decide, should I date this person? Be more concerned, first of all, about who you are than who you're dating. I'm going to help somebody here right now, okay? Listen, those of you who aren't married, you're looking for the right person, young adult, or you're looking to get remarried, I believe that so many times God puts us in a position where he pauses, and I've seen it happen many times. And I even saw it when my oldest son who got married, uh, this past summer and, and years wasn't dating anybody and we're like come on dude you know what does to happen but I think what happens is God puts us in a position where he just wants us to focus on becoming the best Christ follower we can be before bringing that person into our lives do you agree with that so don't get in such a hurry to find the right person you be the right person first and then you allow God to bring the right person in your life. Amen? Okay, I told you, real practical today. Same thing with when it comes to a job. Some of you, you've got an option to, to maybe change jobs or you got another offer out there. Be the best Christ follower you can be first. And I believe that in being that, Christ is going to help you to know what the next step to take is. If you're just trying to decide what you're going to do with your life, if you're trying to decide what your career is be the best focus on who you are in Christ where you are and then allow him to lead you from there before you think about what you do in the future consider who you are in the present and look at this instead of asking god what do you want me to do in the future ask who do you want me to become in the present start with the who what is god Concerned about what is God cares about. God cares more about who before do. Okay? First point who before do. Here's the second thing that God cares about. There's only two today. Why before what? God's will is why before what? What does that mean? Well, we're talking about motives. Motives matter to the heart of God. Scripture says it this way in Proverbs 16 You may think. Everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. And let me ask you this, as human beings, do we have the ability to deceive ourselves? (laughs) Yeah, I got a lot of yeses and nods and amens on that. Absolutely, we have the ability to deceive ourselves. Jeremiah said it like this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Somebody said, I thought this message was supposed to be encouraging today. (laughs) This is true, right? Is that true? Anybody ever look at your heart? Hey, don't even look at your neighbors today. Because there's plenty. There's plenty to look at in the mirror, right? There's times you're like, why is my heart doing that? Why is my heart running after that? And Jeremiah says it. Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about motives. We're talking about why before the what. Motives matter to God. There's an old saying that goes like this. There are two reasons we do something. The reason we tell everybody else and the real reason. Motives matter to God. What does God care about? God cares about the why before the what. Uh, A way to illustrate this would be, we've all experienced this who are parents, that child who, who suddenly gets clingy and lovey, and complimentary, and wants to jump up and spend all that time with you out of the blue. And you're like, What do you want, or what did you do? And, and those of you who would kid with, with small children, especially uh, it's teenagers too, and young adults <laughs> Christmas is coming, which means they're gonna be coming even more, right? I love you, mommy. I love you, daddy. Uh, they want a puppy, they want a kitten, they want a bike. Motives matter to us, and motives matter to God. And Jesus warned us about this. He actually warned about practicing acts to be seen by people. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Watch out. Everybody say, watch out. He said, look, I'm warning you, don't do your good deeds publicly. To be admired by others, for you'll lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Motives matter, Jesus says. So the question is, how can I know if my motives are pure? Well, there's a powerful prayer that's found in Psalm 39 that's a a great prayer for us to pray. And this is what the psalmist says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life how many of you would say there are times where I know my motives aren't the right motives right yeah I see that in me all the time so I have to check the word with that and when I was reading over this again this morning I thought and I noticed I was like wow how many action verbs are in this that are words that we can take again practically today I can take this verse And I can plug it into my walk with God. And if I'm needing divine direction, I want to make sure my motives are right. Here we go. So I'm going to pray, God, first one, search me. God, search my heart. Second one, God, know my heart. Search my heart. Know my heart. Third one, you better be ready when you pray this one, test me. Anybody ever been tested? Yeah. Tests are no fun whether at school or with God, right? Tests always have a refining process in our life. Search me, know me, test me. Point out anything. Phew. That's a tough one to pray, right? Will he do it? Oh, yeah. Somebody said, oh, yeah, he will do it. And a lot of times we want to say, point out just a couple of things, Lord. Just point out the things that aren't too bad. The psalmist says, hey, point out anything in me that offends you, and then... Divine direction, look at it, lead me along the path of what? Hmm. Listen how good this is, because this says that the searching and the knowing and the testing and the pointing out isn't just for this life, it's for what? Eternal life, everlasting life, that the work that God's doing in our lives, it's not just for the here and now. Which is good to know when we're looking at the news right now, right? That it's not just about the here and now, but that all of these things are leading me along the path of everlasting life. And here's the thing. Here's the reason why we need to pray this kind of prayer. It's simply this. You can't get to the right place when you start with the wrong motives. Why before what? Motives matter to God. So let's play some of these out, okay? Let's say you do need to buy a new car, all right? Are you, gonna, are you buying a new car because you need transportation or because you just want to show off and, and let people see that you can buy the, the hottest car out there? Not that you can't have a great car, but check your motives. What about when it comes to complimenting someone? Are your compliments sincere because you want to encourage that person or do you want them to think better of you? say it just say it when you post on social media what's the reason behind your post are you trying to share something meaningful you're trying to share the joy that's going on in your life so that a year from now two years from now Facebook will say hey this happened a year ago two years ago that's probably the best thing about Facebook other than just keeping up with with people you know that's actually pretty cool it's an online photo album or are you just trying to show off okay I will not give examples of how people draw attention to themselves. You know what I'm talking about. What's the motive behind it? God cares about who before do and why before what. And this is how Paul said it when we're checking our motives. He says, Colossians 3, whatever you do. Everybody say, whatever. Whatever Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed. That covers it all, right? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, wherever you are, serve Christ there. Amen? Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, you can serve Christ in that place. Well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, cleaning dirty diapers, and drowning in laundry. Well, wipe those rear ends and stack that laundry to the glory of God. Pour into those kids, value that time that you have with them. Well, I'm just a student in high school, and I, I'm in middle school, and I, I want to do big things for God. Do big things for God where you're at. You're, you're in one of the most godless places that there is, middle school. <laughs> you couldn't give me a million dollars to go back to middle school. Maybe you could, and I could buy that vehicle I was talking about. But... Serve God where you are. You say, man, I'm just a minimum wage fry cook at McDonald's or working at Parker's or wherever I'm at. Serve God where you are. Be faithful where you are. Instead of saying, what's the big thing out there for me that's coming, serve Jesus faithfully right where you are now. Jesus said it like this. If you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the larger ones. Jesus says, i got to trust you with some little things first. He says, because if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibility. So when you serve Jesus right here, he helps you get to the right there. You see that? I remember when we were young, very young youth pastors, we'd only been married just a few weeks. And we took a group of students to Winterfest, biggest uh, Church of God youth event in in the denomination, and we pull up in one minivan that wasn't even full. 1997. Six, 1996. We had six kids and six adults. And you know what I did the whole weekend, Andrea? I compared my group with everybody else. It was my first Winterfest. I was like, man, when am I going to get bring multiple vans, when am I going to get to bring multiple buses, when am I going to be that guy, and then when we became that, when became that guy, I was like, I didn't realize how good I had it, because having 100 people to manage, I think the biggest group we ever took, one time we took 94 people on two buses to Winterfest, I was the most stressed out I've probably ever been in my life that weekend, I almost killed my best friend that weekend, that's another story for another day. But Saturday night of that Winterfest service, the Lord gave a a, 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 a prophetic, I'm trying to say pathetic, because some prophetic words are pathetic words. God gave Tressa a prophetic word, and she looked at me and she said, the Lord wants you to know something. If you are faithful with the few, he will multiply you. needed that word for multiple reasons and what God wanted me to hear in that was not the last words multiply you what God wanted me to hear was be faithful be faithful with the few and I will multiply you You, as I was thinking about that this morning I thought you know this is just a good way to back back into our Holy Spirit series but if you want to make sure if you want to know that a spiritual gift If somebody's giving you a word from God, if you want to know if it is a word from God, it will line up with the word of God. And Tressa looking at me and saying, if you're faithful with the few, God will multiply you. It meant a lot because God said it to her to say to me in that moment, but that was a fulfillment of those words of Jesus. So you better believe, honey, if somebody says they've got a prophetic word for you, if it doesn't line up with scripture, you put it in the garbage. Okay? She spoke that. I hung on to that. and We saw that happen in our ministry. You are a result of that and what God's doing here. And that just says to us, it says to me as a reminder today and for all of us that if we will be faithful in the small things, that God will give us bigger and greater things. Because God's looking at the who before the do. And the why before the what. And oftentimes we have a tendency to look at people, especially people who are successful, and we think they must have made a lot, they must have made just a few really big decisions to get them where they were. No. If you see somebody who's successful, there are thousands of daily decisions Many years, if you see somebody who's faithfully making a difference for God, there are countless decisions of them denying their self, dying daily, working hard, and faithfully serving God that got them in that position. God's will is who before do and why before what. So if you give me some background music, we'll we'll land a plane this morning. So we started this morning by admitting that there are times... we're not good decision makers right we started this morning by talking about there's times where there are decisions that we regret and you never lean into that any more than when you start having kids and grandkids right because you want them to learn from your mistakes right you don't want them to do the same things you did parents give me a nod here right you tell them those stories, and you should tell them those stories, even the ones that are not that great. But, but tell them because you want them to avoid making the same mistakes that you did. I, I have a recurring conversation that I seem to be having with a lot of people right now. I think it's just because of the stage of life I'm in. And as I'm thinking about when, when my three kids, who are now adults, at 25, 22, and 20, you know, every stage of life, you feel like that's the most important stage, right? Because before five years old, somebody says, if you don't teach them everything by five, their brains formed and they'll be losers. You know, like, where'd you get that from? You know, I hope that's not true. And then when they're children, you're like, okay, we got to get them, got to get this. And, you, and the teenage years coming, you're like, dear God, I need you now, Lord. I need thee, oh, I need thee and here's what i'm finding as a parent of, of children who are getting married and finishing college and trying to figure out what they want to do randy you there man this is like the most important stage because i'm thinking of everything we've poured into them this is where they got to get it right and trust and i were talking about this yesterday there's three things there's three things that are the most important decisions in my opinion three things we want our kids and our grandkids to get right number one Who are you going to follow? What are you going to do with Jesus? That's number one. Nothing is bigger than that. What are you going to do with Jesus? Secondly, what are you going to do? You're going to do something. You're not going to live in the basement, play PlayStation, and eat Cheetos until you're 35. What are you going to do? What's your career? That's a huge decision. And then the last decision is who are you going to marry? Who are you going to spend life with? And in my opinion, I might be wrong. Some of you are further down the road than I am. If my three kids can get those three things right, but here's the thing, y'all. If they'll get the first one right, they can get the first one right. And they'll put Jesus out front, then he'll lead and guide and direct and order their steps. Amen. Oh, there's going to be bumps in the road. We face those bumps with our kids. There's going to be shouting matches and screaming and yelling and frustration. Yet, yeah, we're real people just like you. We have those moments. I've had to apologize to my boys multiple times. For some reason, I don't yell at Jaden the way I do Trenton Brock. I don't know why. I do know why. <laughs> She's my girl, my only girl. But, you know, when we were talking about regrets, and I was thinking about regrets this week, I thought, I remembered... A song that always pops in my head for some reason when when we talk about regrets, and it's this old Sinatra song. Y'all remember this one, "My Way." Any any Frankie fans? And, and about the third verse, Frank Sinatra says, "Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. I saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more." Much, much more, I did it, I did it my way. Okay, good song, probably got the man a lot of money in Vegas, probably was his uh, encore, right, every night in Vegas. Terrible theology. Not biblical, not gospel-centered at all. I check out, I planned each chartered course, when I plan each chartered course, everybody do that with me? Right? Right? Each careful step. I can't plan each careful step. I try, and I can't. Uh, more, much more, I did, it, I did it my way. How many would say, your way didn't work? Our way doesn't work. See, that's why Jesus says, what does he say? He says, follow me. Follow me. Because whenever I follow less, I'm going to put it in the ditch because Les has no divine direction. Les is, is, is stupid on his smartest day. I need to get behind Jesus. Here's what I thought about. thought about, okay, what's better than that? Well, what's better than that is, um, is actually where we started 2023. remember this, our theme verse for the year, we're coming back to it, here we go, Jesus says, abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him bears, y'all got it, you remember, much fruit, for without me you can do nothing, amen, amen, right? So that really is what it's all about. Not I did it my way. It said I'm going to do it his way. And whenever I abide in him and he in me, then I get that first decision right. I get the who before the do, the why more than the what. And then he will lead and guide and order and direct my paths. Who am I becoming? So when last weekend we were, you know, we're going up Blood Mountain, It starts with something like this, you know, you're on Google and what does this say right here? Choose starting point or just click on the map, okay? So I'm going to choose my starting point and this is what I'm telling you, if you are looking for divine direction in any area of your life, your starting point is with Jesus. Your starting point is abiding in Him. Well, Pastor, I've been doing that. Keep doing it. Pastor, I've been about it. I've been praying. I've been reading. The answer is not there. Keep doing it. Don't stop. You're doing the right thing. You've got the right starting point. And so many times we end up in the wrong place because we start in the wrong place. We start with me or somebody else or the wrong job or the wrong person I've married or I'm dating or the wrong decision. But if I'll put Jesus in the starting blocks then he's going to take care of the rest. Divine direction is all about who you start with and who you're becoming. Final thought and then we're going to pray. If you're becoming the right who God will help you choose the right do. Secondly. Secondly. See, y'all get to see the trial run. We'll be smoother in the second service. If you're driven by the right, God will lead you to the right. Okay? So you've got your part. Underlined is your part. If you're becoming the right, God will help you choose the right. And if you're driven by the right, God will lead you to the right theme verse, and then we'll pray. The Lord says, "I will guide you along the best path, the best pathway for your life. I will advise you, and I will watch over you." Amen? Amen. Who before? Do why before? What? Lord, thank you for your word today, that is so incredibly practical, that that leads us and guides us into exactly where you want us to go and what you want us to be. And I pray today, Lord, as I started a while ago, that your people this morning would find guidance and direction from you today. And Lord, those who are seeking specific divine direction for areas in their lives, Lord, that they'll walk out with something today that's going to help them to take those next steps. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and nobody looking around, I want to, first of all, before we close with some questions to apply this and pray through this, I want to ask a question this morning. Is there anybody here today who would say, Pastor Les, um, I need to get Jesus in that Google box and, and start with Jesus first? i I've been first, and it's it's kind of like this. There's a throne in your heart, and either God's sitting on the throne or you're sitting on the throne. And if you're here today and you would say... Pastor, I, I've been sitting on the throne of my life and I need to put Christ on the throne today. Will you pray for me to, I, I need to accept Christ and follow him. Will you raise your hand and put it right back down go, anybody in this room. Man, there's about five hands, six, seven hands just went up in this room. Man, that's awesome. So multiple people today in this room are saying, I I'm in control and I don't need to be in control. And I need to put Jesus first today here's what I want us to do I want us to pray a prayer today and this prayer is meaningless unless you mean it when you pray and you put action behind it when you leave so I want us to lead I want to lead us all in a simple prayer today where we're going to make that that decision to put Jesus first to make him the Lord of our lives commit everything. When you pray this prayer, you're saying, I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm away from God. I'm doing it my way. I'm Frank Sinatra and I need to be more like Jesus. I want to put him first in everything. And so today we pray this prayer together. Everybody praying so nobody's praying alone. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he took my sins to the cross I believe he died in my place I believe you raised him to life and I'd like to trust him now as my savior and follow him as Lord from this day